Welcome to the Recruitment Flex with Serge and Shelly. I'm Serge. And I'm Shelly. And we talk all things recruitment starting right now. Welcome to the Recruitment Flex, our first episode of 2022. Today we tackle what's going on in the world of work and what to expect in 2022. Then the recruiter's the most in demand role out there right now. And job hopping, is it the new normal? But first, I love to introduce my co-host, <laughs> Shelly Billinghurst. How's it going, Shelly? Feels like such a long time. I know, it does. It's been a few weeks because you and I took vacation. Yes. We actually turned it off. We turned it off. You went across the ocean to a different country. You came back safe, healthy, looking great. So how was your vacation? A lot of people would expect that everything takes longer and it did. Everything uh, was a little bit slower. There's a lot more forms to fill out, but you know, the real fun part was I got to see Parker. He was so happy to see me. He's been three months in Germany and he said to me, it's just so nice to see someone who knows me. (laughs) (laughs) That's strange, right? After a while, you're just exhausted of always trying to think and speak in German. So to be Mm -hmm. able to just hang out with Brooklyn and I, it was great. Well, he misses his mama bear, right? No, I don't think so. No? His girlfriend now. Yes. Oh, he has a girlfriend. She was lovely. So I got to meet the girlfriend too. And, you know, of all the travels, Serge, you'd expect staffing shortages, because we've been talking about this all year, that uh, companies are struggling, and especially hospitality and tourism industry, struggling to find workers. And I only encountered one place where that was the case. There was one agent and a lineup, at least 70 people in that line. Remember when you went to uh, Michigan? Yeah. And you said, you just forget it. You wouldn't even bother going to Starbucks or anywhere because there's one barista. So that was the case in the Frankfurt airport. And we were trying to check our luggage. And I felt like I wanted to give this girl a medal. I was really I curious about that. How did that. she do it? Yeah. I, in Canada, I haven't seen that. I've flown in Canada not mm-hmm. too long ago. And service levels were pretty yeah. normal, like a little bit like less people, but nothing dramatic. The US was the only place that I saw a dramatic difference. I was interested to hear how is it in Europe? And it yeah. seems like in the different countries you went to that it, it wasn't a major issue. It wasn't. I will say Canada was great. Even when we were leaving Frankfurt, the Air Canada staff that were boarding you onto the plane, et cetera, and at the check-in, there was at least six or seven employees. And when you looked at the other airlines, they had maybe one or two. I guess it depends too, because a lot of companies are having staffing issues right now, because uh, Mm -hmm. unfortunately, a lot of employees are getting the Omicron variant, which is causing challenges in having enough people to be at work to man those deaths. The next month is going to be interesting to see exactly what happens. If we're going to see every Everything that we saw in 2021, one of the things that I'm pretty sold on right now is that Mm. a lot of people left shitty jobs, went to other shitty jobs and realized, well, it's actually better at the old company and they're going to bounce back or the ones that went into freelance or did their own thing. And now we're getting into taxis and they're like, 
Yeah, I think I'm going to go work for someone again. I don't know. I still think it's going to be really hard to recruit in 2022. It's going to be as hard in t- as 2021, but we're going to see some shift in that dynamic and people boomeranging back to their old job or their old companies. How about we jump into that first? Because 2021 was probably one of the most interesting year in recruitment that I've ever lived. Dynamics changed completely with the Great Resonation or the Great Awakening or whatever you want to call it. We saw a lot of people quit their jobs. We saw a lot of people think that COVID was done, but we haven't seen that. But if we look at 2022, I like to know what you are seeing in the world of work. What can employers and recruiters expect? So I think by now, most companies, not just the big companies, but most companies have figured out that making plans for the coming year, thinking that everything's going to go back to the way it was in 2019, they've come to the conclusion that, uh, no, we need to make plans of this is how it's always going to be. So I'm actually really hopeful that companies are starting to figure this out and stop this nonsense of mandating everybody's going to be back to the office January 1st. I think smart companies are starting to say, okay, you know what, we need to plan for how we're going to work around this. And the innovative thinkers are the companies that will continue to be successful. I like the point you just touched on, because that is what I'm seeing. Search. I know we're going to talk about the demand for recruiters. We're going to talk about the world of work here in 2022. But I will tell you that what I'm seeing right now and the big trend is going to be companies going back to people that left the organization, say in the last couple of years, maybe even the last three years. I'm going to predict that in 2022, we're going to see a trend not recruiters, but hiring managers, picking up the phone and talking to former employees, because that's the easiest way to recruit. Now, we've never seen hiring leaders do this before, but I believe when they've had to face vacancies since September of roles they can't fill, the simplest solution is pick up the phone and call people that used to work for you that still like you. So you called them boomerang. Uh, boomerang usually means I've come to the realization that the grass isn't greener over here. I think it's going to be something else. I love your thought process around that. I, I do disagree with one point. I do but, think we're going to see a lot of uh, people getting called back because they're in an existing relationship. They know they can do the job. But I don't think it's going to be hiring managers and it should be because the weight of it will be way higher if it's a hiring manager, especially if it was the manager that actually managed that person, yes. giving them a personal call. But I don't has- think so. So you asked me what I'm seeing. That is yeah. exactly what I'm seeing is leaders have realized recruiters cannot pull these people out of their ass. Like you it- can't. I've seen the opposite. I've worked with companies that is part of the strategy, but the hiring managers have relegated it to the recruiters. The recruiters are like, we can definitely help you along the process, but it will have a lot more value as you as Mr. Hiring Manager, or you even in some cases as Mr. and Mrs. CEO calling that employee. Imagine how much weight that carries. And in a world that there is so much competition for that talent, why not have every level of the organization on board and and making those calls? I think that will have a bigger impact 
Then the recruiter that was probably not there when the employee was there. It makes a lot of sense, but I'm still shocked. I've had a couple of situations and obviously it's a small pool. I don't have the macro level of what that looks like, but in my very micro pool, I have seen hiring managers push back on that and giving it to the recruiter saying that's your job. But I think you're right. In 2022, we are going to see hiring managers realize that this is not only a recruiter's job, this is everyone's job. You see a lot of organizations that say everyone is a salesperson within the company. I think we're going to see that mentality shift to everyone in the organization is mm-hmm. a recruiter, is everyone's responsibility to talk to people to acquire. So I like your points. Uh, I do want to go to research that was done by Glassdoor in the middle yeah, of December. Yeah. And good I, article. Yeah, I thought it had some yeah. really good points because yeah, everyone good. has very... Similar trends that we've all heard, it hasn't really changed since what we were talking about in 2021. And the first point they put out is hiring won't be easy in 2022. And I don't think anyone of us expects hiring to be easy in 2022. But I've seen some mentality out there thinking it's it's going to be easier than 2021. I disagree. I think it's going to be more challenging and why it's going to be so difficult. And this will be our second topic is there is so many recruiter roles out there that are unfilled. Who is going to be facilitating all this hiring? Do you think hiring is going to be easier in 2022 than it was in 2021? Well, do you know what's absolutely fucking ridiculous about this research, it reinforces everything that that you've been saying all year long. But what's ridiculous is just that is saying we don't have recruiters to find these people. But the fact is, that throwing more bodies at the hiring process doesn't fix the problem. The opportunity here in 2021 was to put some technology in place so you can scale, you can be more efficient to add five recruiters to a team doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be able to find the talent that you need. Let's say you hired a team of 50 recruiters, which quite honestly, Serge, think back to here in Calgary when oil and gas is booming, we saw recruitment teams blow up to like 50 people and they still can't hire. It's a real old fashioned way of approaching your talent acquisition. I agree. Having a plan, putting some money into your brand, making sure that everybody's excited about where the company's going and what you do. It sounds simple. Without those things in place, even a small army of recruiters won't fix the problem. You're bang on. But unfortunately, what's happened in the last year, there hasn't been a lot of advancement when it comes to these organizations as as far as putting the right strategy in place, automating what needs to be automating, getting the right tools. And I don't think that's happened because in a lot of organizations, the people leading talent acquisitions are not even focusing on that. Their solution is adding more bodies to it. And usually they're coming from HR. They're not involved in the community and really trying to figure out innovative. Well, I say innovative. It's not that innovative. Because we talk about it day in, day out. It really is very innovative. Like how many HR people do you think can even grasp the amount of money that has been pumped into talent acquisition technology in 2021? 
Now, if your solution is to throw more bodies at it and you're hiring HR people to do a recruiter's job, they will, again, be clueless of what's happening in the community because it is very advanced and you do need to be part of the talent acquisition community and be aware of who's building what technology, what are the trends, how can we do this better, how can we make it all a better experience for candidates. All of those things are in the wheelhouse of talent acquisition. Yes. Fortunately, what we're going to see is a lot of HR people being thrown into these roles. Yes. But with all of that, the supply and demand of talent out there is still skewed in the wrong direction. And in the past, usually there was a large pool of people coming out of recessions that were wanting jobs. But what's happened is with the huge Mm -hmm. amount of retirement that's happened in the last couple of years, these people are generally not coming back to the workforce in the same way they did before. I still think the recent retired is a pool of candidates that companies should think about, but in a different way. Maybe these are coming in for 10, 20 hours a week, a month. Again, the innovative thinkers, for sure. Yeah. How can you look at your workforce in a different way? Maybe it's you have double the amount of employees, but they're working part-time. So there's a lot of things that are different from any past recession or major event like this that's happened is the workforce has shrunk. There is an opportunity for more women to come back in the workforce. And we're starting to see that in Canada and the US. Obviously, what happens with COVID could have an impact. I know here in Canada, there's schools being delayed opening, which puts a lot of pressures on families. Unfortunately, it falls on women and it shouldn't. I don't think that's right at all. But it is the reality of what's happened out there. Having our kids in school is absolutely critical for the workforce, but also for their mental health, in my opinion. So that's going to be an element as we look into 2022, because Mm -hmm. hiring is not going to be easier. The other element you talked about is how can we think about work differently? So Mm -hmm. I worked for a company before the pandemic that remote work was my selling proposition. You could work remotely. That was how I got a lot of top talent to join that company. That disappeared in 2020 and 2021. And we've talked about this, that remote work, a lot of companies are like, should I be paying less? Like they're working remotely. I think the trend is going to be the other way. Back to bite them in the ass, actually. Yeah, I think it's going to be remote work will boost access to talent, but you're going to need to pay more even for remote workers than you did in the past. What's your take on that? Serge, you were talking about this in September. If you uh, dial back to some of our episodes, even in the fall, this is exactly what you were saying. And I know um, Chad and Cheese, they were hot on this topic, like where I live, why does that make the value of what I do for you less? And again, I think companies that are stuck back in old time thinking, or they're just keep hoping it's going to come back. They, they just can't get their head around the fact that you need to look forward and stop pining for the way things used to be. Because sure, in previous recessions, there was always that location-based bullshit, right? And I'm starting to come around because I know I was very much, whatever your location is, should dictate your cost of living. Because it is more expensive to live in New York than it is in Idaho. But all that to say that I think companies who are innovative and looking forward rather than always lamenting and looking back, and they do need to pay more. I remember something you said just recently, Serge, you were talking about the fact that even locally here, we're no longer competing with 
other companies in the city. We've got the long arm of big corporations reaching into our talent pool because Calgary has always been known as a very well-educated city and companies have figured that out. And that's not going to change. And like cities that's maybe not the major cities, but cities like Calgary is a perfect example. That's a fairly large city, but it's not a Toronto or a New York or an LA. Mm -hmm. A lot of companies are going to focus on those markets because that is a talent pool that there is not as much competition. And Mm -hmm. a lot of companies take that for granted locally that, hey, my competition is company XYZ across the street. Let's no longer to reality at all. We're now looking at it as a Canadian or US or North American or even a worldwide workforce and how you adapt to it is going to be really interesting. One of the things that is going to be a challenge for a lot of companies is senior management is still wanting employees to come into the office. They still have the plan. It's going to go back to normal. And when it does, you're going to come back into the office. Stop it. Fuck the workers are not feeling that way at all. Like I read some recent surveys and it's almost completely the opposite. They're not coming back. So it's either you're going to adapt Mm -hmm. and make the changes to be successful to work remotely or have some type of hybrid arrangement. This is going to sound bad, but I think a lot of executives like having the power of their coming into the office and everyone knows, oh, that's Mr. CEO or Mrs. CEO. And there's a power grab that they don't feel remotely. There's a different vibe when a CEO is remote in their mind. They don't feel they have as much power of what people do and how they do it. So I don't know. Maybe that's completely wrong. Now, how ridiculous. Even as I'm listening to you say that, Serge, I'm thinking, how ridiculous is that? Do you know, I know people who worked 30 years for a company and never met the CEO. Do you think I'm wrong? Do you think I'm wrong? I do. I I think, yeah. You don't feel CEO feels that way? No, no. no? A lot of people could spend their entire career and never lay eyes on the CEO. So I think it's a couple layers down. And this is about middle management realizing that perhaps the whole function of middle management doesn't need to exist. And they're scared, right? Mm -hmm. Like they're the ones that are putting pressure upwards to say, oh, no, we need to have people back in the office. And the people below them are saying, no, I don't want to come back. Because middle management, their job is to make sure you're productive. And if I suck as a leader, I need to be able to see people. I need to see the fear in your eyes that I'm watching what you're doing. Those people are scared. That's what I think it is. And and they're giving just the wrong information to the people above them that we need to have people back and we're better together and rah, 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 let's all look each other in the eye. I think it's middle management scared to death that they're no longer relevant. Interesting. So here's the other thing I wanted to ask you, Serge. You know, in 2020 and 21, I don't think you could have opened up any social media without hearing something about diversity, equity, and inclusion, right? Like it was everywhere. And companies made commitments and they got out the bullhorn to declare their commitment to diversity, equity, inclusion. I think that in 2022, people are going to start to realize that this is not going to happen. It's just not. Even the companies that were so vocal about what they're going to do, they just shut up about it. 
I'm going to point to this economic research article that we started off here with, where it talks about employees are still asking, where are we at? The survey said 58% of people said that they want to know where we're at corporately for our DE&I goals, yet only 38% received any sort of progress updates and 31% weren't even sure. Holy shit. I, I I agree. And I've been thinking a lot about this because I'm starting to see l- less traction, even though every r- article that I read, it's going to be a critical element as we go in 2022. And it should be 100%. It needs to be. And the organizations that figure it out will be highly successful. But right now, the economy is booming. There's a lot of money to be spent. And a lot of companies are investing heavily in things that they feel is important. When we saw better.com, and I hate talking about them again, but we will, is, you know, when they did the layoffs, who did they lay off? Their whole diversity, equity, inclusion group, then their recruitment team, all of them got laid off. And I think we are going to see the same as different businesses start to struggle. It might not be this year. We are going to see a downturn in the economy. I think these companies, those will be the first positions they cut. And what a shame, right? I think in 2022, we'll see this kind of quiet down quite a bit. Serge, you know, I saw this article on Monday that was originally written um, UK time zone. Okay. So they're eight hours ahead of, of where we are. And at that point, the grabbing headline was in the first 12 hours of business in the year 2022, 4,600 job postings for recruiters on LinkedIn. So I read the article about midday. I shared it on my LinkedIn feed because by then, if you read through the comments, it had gone up by another thousand every hour. So as business started up here in North America, eight hours later, last count search, I think you spotted this. We were globally at 14,000 recruiter jobs posted in 24 hours. Yeah, and this is just on LinkedIn. If you look at Indeed, it's actually 16,000 results on new recruiter roles that were posted in the last 24 hours. So that begs the question right now, is recruitment the most sought after role for companies trying to hire? It it looks like it. It's, It's definitely surpassed a lot of critical Mm -hmm. roles that companies see in the organization, they're seeing recruitment as a critical role. And to your earlier point that we were talking about, Mm -hmm. it might not be the best solution because if they don't have the rest of their shit together, just hiring recruiters is not going to fix it. But this is an opportunity for recruiters and we have recruiters mostly listening to this podcast. And this is an opportunity for us. (laughs) It's fantastic news. This is the time. Like, I wish we had like a, a union of recruiters or something like that, that we would all band together, that we are not going to take shitty wages, shitty work environments. We have the opportunity to go work for companies that are using the right HR tech. If you're interviewing right now and you ask a question, what's your HR tech stack? What's your ATS? Mm-hmm. And they're giving you bullshit systems and technology. Do not take that job. We need to start forcing the hand of these companies to make the right choices when it comes to technology, structure, seat at the table. Yeah. I think what a lot of recruiters are going to hear is part of why we're hiring you is so that you can help us upgrade our technology. I would say if you hear that, it's a flag. Yeah. Because we know full well that when you get in 
to this organization, if they've just decided now to start hiring talent acquisition people, chances are those jobs have been open since last summer. And if you don't think those managers are going to beat the hell out of you because they want you to work on their job uh, requisition, they want you to find people for this role. I've been without anyone. My staff are burnt out. You'll have people crying in your office, seriously, because their staff are all burnt out and they're all about to quit and the company is going to go down in flames. And they think for some reason, you're going to magically be able to pull these people out of um, your LinkedIn network or something. No. Yes, we all have this list of people that are just wanting to join. Just waiting for us to call them. Yeah, just like to join your shitty company and culture. And, or maybe not. Maybe you have a great company and culture. But I guarantee you, if you have that, you're mm -hmm. probably not hiring as many recruiters. So let's just put right. that and in perspective. So the flag is, if they're saying, well, then you tell us which technology. The fact is, you'll never have a moment to breathe. You will work 12 hours a day. Yeah. I guarantee it. I know some people that are even working seven days a week. Oh, like yeah. they're, they're calling candidates on the weekend. So what's your advice for recruiters right now that are going to get headhunted? They're applying for jobs and looking to get in a better situation. Any advice for them? So I think you've already said it. And I would concur. Ask what technology are you using And ask how committed the hiring leaders are. If they sit back with their feet up and say, bring me candidates. I want to see more candidates, right? No, you really need to ask the question about how is talent acquisition viewed in the organization today? Yes. And I, I want to share an example of a situation that I saw with a recruiter that reached out to me when she wanted some advice because she's fairly new in her career. And she was interviewing for a recruiter role and first interview, eight people, eight people in the interview, pretty big flag to me when you need to have eight people. Mm -hmm. Then they didn't reach out to her for almost two weeks and they reached out and be like, we want you to meet this person. They can't meet now. They can meet in two weeks from now. And they want her to come in the office, even though the recruiter is like, oh, I don't agree with it, but the management, I'm like, why are you even considering this job? Because if they're yeah. treating you like this through the process of you getting hired, imagine what it's how, be like, <laughs> yeah, how frustrating is it going to be for you? Because you're going to have to follow that when you're recruiting. And now you're going to have all these people frustrated because the process is bullshit. So it's broken. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. broken. I want to move to another topic. So one of the okay. things that we, we talk a lot with hiring managers and they have very strong opinions is they don't want job hoppers. And their thought is these people should have loyalty to a company and should be there for 10 years. Mm -hmm. So if they haven't, I don't even want to consider them. And then now we're in a situation that we're all looking for people. There is definitely a supply and demand and job hoppers. And I'll give you more on what I think a job hopper okay. is. It's definitely a target market. We are looking at every avenue to bring in people. But I don't feel like hiring managers are changing their opinion on on what they feel is job hoppers. Job hopping is not what it used to be. The average tenure of people in a job, according to this article I read, was four years. I've actually read other articles that the average is now around two and a half years. It's probably somewhere in between. So let's say three years, the average tenure of an employee right now. And, and 
there's very valid reasons for that. And like、mm-hmm. the one thing is loyalty has gone out the window, and you cannot blame anyone else but the companies. The minute the companies, when profits went down, they start laying off people. It has a reverb effect on employees thinking you're not going to be loyal with me. I'm not going to be loyal with you. So if I can make more money to going to another job, getting more experience, because if you work at the same job for 15 years, your breadth and depth of experience is going to be very limited compared to someone that's worked maybe at five companies in those times, seeing different management style, different systems, different process. There's so many advantages to people that have. A breadth and depth of experience in different companies that I think we are ignoring a very valid skill set. But sorry, what's your overall take、mm-hmm. on、mm-hmm. job hopping and what what we should look for in 2022 and moving forward as far as these types of candidates? Yeah. So interesting. I feel like the, those first ten to fifteen years of your career, I think that's when it is much more acceptable to change jobs. Like even every two and a half years or so, it's when you get further down in your career. I, again, we're trained to look for these patterns, right? It is very valuable in your first fifteen years to have different jobs. You're seeing different economic cycles, how companies budget,、um, different sizes of companies. When you look at resumes, it really builds a portfolio. Of the fact that you are flexible, that you have capacity to pick up and learn, because if you just moved in one industry and that's all you've done, that's very different than somebody who's always been a developer but they've worked in five completely different. To me, as a recruiter, seeing a resume like that would be like chocolate, just melting in your hands. It's oh my god. So those are some of the upsides. I think the job hopping part is. Part of the HR training that a lot of people came into talent acquisition with, and that is to be looking for people who keep getting fired. I remember even back in the agency days, that's how I was trained、okay. in the '90s. That that when people change jobs, it's usually because they keep getting fired. Interesting how now in 2022, job hopping will be seen as look at all the skills you've gained. In each one, I would say there's one caveat. If you were six months, six months, three months, six months, I think that's the the negative side of job hopping because、yeah. in three months you don't even know where they keep the pens. Yeah, honestly, like you don't know how they make decisions.、Uh, you couldn't possibly know. So it's those patterns that should still set off flags versus the other that we just described. Your first 15 years in doing what you do for a living in. In completely di- different industries, that's ideal. Yeah, I agree with that view point because there's always going to be situations like someone should not hesitate of quitting a job. They go in and they've been sold on something. And they realize it's a completely toxic culture. Oh,、there's、for sure. Not a bad thing for you to leave, but if it's a continuous pattern that you have six months, six months, three months, three months, eight months, yeah, that's definitely a, that's a red flag. But the other side of it too is always about context, right?、Mm-hmm. Was this person like? On your resume, that's why it's critical for you to state, "Hey, this was a contract role for six months for me to come in and execute on this project," which a lot of companies are doing now, and a lot of people specialize in those types of things. When I look at more senior people, one of the things that I've come to realize there are some people that are really good coming in and fixing something or building something from the ground, and that usually takes a year to two years. And when that's done, they're just not maintained type people. They get bored,、yeah. and they want to move on to the next thing to fix、yeah. and build. Sounds、so、like somebody I know. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the surge. 
Unless <laughs> says you, Serge about every job he's ever taken on, you're a fixer for sure. I'm a fixer, yeah. Unless fixer. you can give that employee the opportunity to grow within the company and fix something else or have a different challenge, yeah. those people are going to leave because they just don't feel challenged in maintaining status quo. Even in certain roles, I think there's definitely benefit to to having people come in and that's their specialty. They're sure. going to fix your issue. They might not be here in two years, but they might have created the process, the systems and everything for you to be successful for a long time. This is where a really good recruiter needs to dig in and really figure that out. And this it happens on the hiring manager side of how you do your intake, but how yeah. you're questioning and assessing the skill of the people you're interviewing. So I don't think job hopping is going to be seen as a negative. I think what we have to be conscious of is, especially for small business, small medium, is they're going to be very hesitant in hiring people that job hop a lot because if they don't feel they got a return on investment and that employee started being profitable for them and they leave before that time, it could be very detrimental to a small business. So that's where you have to be very conscious. But aside from that, I I think it's not a negative if it's the right context and you're asking the right questions as a yeah. recruiter. So I agree. I agree. So how does it feel to be back in 2022 on the recruitment flex? It's great. It's great. I'm telling you, I missed it. Yeah. I missed it. I was thinking about recruitment flex, even though we were unplugged. But as I was traveling, I thought, really, things aren't that much different here in Europe. Interesting. Yeah. I think we're going to have a fantastic year, Shelly. We've got yes. a ton of exciting guests coming up. We just released uh, a fun new episode where our friend, the job board doctor, Jeff Dickey Chasen from the job board geeks and both him and Steven Rothberg, a really good podcast talking about the job board industry. Do check it out. They'll be coming on soon. We released Jeff telling us everything that happened in work tech, HR tech, and job boards in 2021. And there was so much. It was an 11-minute update of him going through every changes month by month. Very fascinating. So if you want to get all the latest news, do check out that episode. Shelly, great Sorry. to see you again. Thank you. It's good to see you again, too. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Thanks. <laughs> Hi, my name is Sarah, and I want to tell you about my podcast called Can I Offer You Some Feedback? I'm a business consultant and executive coach with over 20 years experience in change management, leadership development, and naturally providing feedback to high performers. My podcast is for those of you who have a complicated relationship with feedback, whether giving, receiving, avoiding or seeking, feedback is essential for our development. In each episode, you'll hear from real people across industries with their ideas, perspectives, and best practices on feedback. I'll also be sharing business bites with you, simple explanations of organizational tools, management techniques, and leadership philosophies that will help you and your businesses thrive. You can listen to Can I Offer You Some Feedback on your favorite podcast app or learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com.